Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. And boy, what a consequential election. It is remarkable. We have a big program today, a big show. First of all, I want to start out telling you about this amazing thing I learned about Canada over the weekend and wrote an op-ed about it. Oh, and we also have a quote for the day. Remember, yeah, here it is. Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder, treason should ever be forgot. All right. Okay, I wanted to start out by telling you this, this incredible thing I learned. First of all, you know, kind of the setup. We all know that the Republican Party in large parts of the United States, particularly in red states where they control the voting process, they have really taken... Uh, only hold power by virtue of the fact that they control who can vote and whether their vote gets counted or not. The Republican Party has completely taken to heart Joe Stalin's old advice, famously said back in the 30s, that it doesn't matter who votes. What matters is who counts the votes. So, you know, their main electoral strategy outside of fear, 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 and isn't it wonderful that we cut taxes for billionaires, you know, which are the obvious electoral strategies. Their main one is voter suppression, or as I prefer to call it, election fraud, as opposed to voter fraud. This is not the voters engaging in fraudulent activity. This is the people who run the elections. This is election fraud. They do it with purging people from the voting rolls. If you look at the period from 2006 until 2008, right, from that midterm until that presidential election, and you compare that with 2014 to 2016, midterm to presidential election. Just in that one cycle, just the difference between those two-year periods, there was a 33% increase in the number of people purged from the voting rolls in the 2014 to 2016 era versus 2006 to 2008. And I'm doing this from memory, but as I recall, it was around uh, 10 or 11 million people in the 2006 to 2008 and around 12 million up to 2016. But if you look at just the last year, now keep in mind, in none of these previous two-year periods was it more than 12 million people purged over a two-year period. In just the last 12 months, 14 million people have been purged. So they have that. That's one strategy. And that requires states that have voter registration systems, which we got as a result of Jim Crow. Voter registration came into being in the United States in a big way during Reconstruction as a way of making, you know, just preventing people from voting, just plain old flat out. It was, you know, in the South, it was preventing black people from voting. In the North, it was preventing poor people from voting. And we have one state, North Dakota, that doesn't require voter registration. So voter registration is itself historically part of a voter suppression effort number one. And then number two, you've got virtually every Republican controlled state in the union now has adopted these ALEC 
model legislation or variations on them of voter suppression tools with using voter ID. So the people who don't drive can't vote. So the people who are poor can't vote. So people who are old enough that they no longer drive can't vote. So people who are students living on campus uh, but don't drive can't vote. So basically, the only people who can easily vote are middle class white people. And of course, upper middle class and wealthy white people. So these two strategies combined are why we have gone from 60 years of the Democrats controlling the House, the Senate, and in many cases, the White House. The exceptions were the treason of Nixon and the treason of Reagan to become presidents and the Supreme Court handing George W. Bush the presidency. But this is why the Democrats, you know, for so long controlled everything up until the Reagan era when they started screaming about voter fraud and putting these systems in place. So I got a note from a guy named Tarek. He's a listener in Canada to my program. And he writes, here in Canada, citizens and permanent residents alike are covered by publicly funded health care that is administered through the provinces, whereas temporary residents must be covered by other means, namely buying private health insurance. So in other words, everybody who's a citizen, everybody who's eligible to vote has free health care in Canada. Right. Or, you know, it's not free, but has uh, Canada's Medicare program. So he continues, since it's in everyone's best interest to have free health care coverage, free in quotes, Unlike other government-issued identifications, such as driver's licenses, etc., the vast majority, if not all, Canadians from all socioeconomic backgrounds make sure to obtain their health cards, which can be used as an official photo ID for flying domestically. I looked this up on the Canadian website. The ID card, their Medicare ID card in Canada, looks like a driver's license here. It's got your picture. It's got your address. It's got all your information on it. It's got barcodes and holograms. And I mean, you know, it's a real thing, right? So anyhow, can be used as official photo ID for flying domestically, buying alcohol, and more importantly, voting. And in fact, I went to the Vote Canada website. If you do the search on this, you have to search the domain .ca rather than .com. And you find the government websites. And there's one about how to get your, you know, here's your photo ID for your Medicare program. And the other is, the ID that is acceptable for voting. Yeah, they require ID across Canada to vote. And at the top, literally at the top of the list is your Medicare card, which every Canadian citizen has. And the people in Canada who are living there who are not citizens doesn't have. It's real simple. So now we know why the Republicans for 30 years have fought so hard against a national health care system in the United States. Because that's why it's so easy to vote in Canada. That's why everyone in Canada has easy access to the polls. That's why they can't purge your name off the voting rolls. So in the United States, if we were to create a single-payer health care system and provide an ID just like Canada does, you know, and then as Democrats start winning, which they would do as a result of this because it would increase voter turnout. I mean, we all remember Paul Weyrich's uh, famous quote. Here it is. How many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome, good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. That was 1980, right, when he was working on the Reagan campaign, and he's the co-founder of the Moral Majority. He's the co-founder of the Heritage Foundation. And he's the co-founder of ALEC, this guy that you just heard. And ALEC, of course, has been distributing this model legislation. So now we know the real reason why Republicans are scared to death of a national health care system. It'll make it easy for everyone to vote if we do it the way that most other countries do it. Which is pretty amazing when you think about it. And also is why, you know, a national health care system should be policy issue one if the Democrats take any power at all in this election, and particularly in 2020. This is the Tom Hartman Program. What's your sense of how this election is going? And do you think it's possible that if the Democrats take the House, that that could actually help Trump? I'm skeptical. Let's see here, uh, Brian in Dubuque, Iowa. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. You're welcome. Thank you, Tom. 
I would like to be able to vote, but I was busted when I was about 27, 28 years old for growing a few marijuana plants for personal use only in my closet. And uh, it was one of those narc-off deals where some guy did a bunch of bad things and got a lesser sentence for, right. for telling on me. So, yeah, you know, I'd love to vote, but I can't. And uh, Iowa has felon disenfranchisement laws? Uh, it was Illinois at the time. You should double check. I, you know, most of those laws, I think there's only five or six states now that still have those laws, and I thought they were all in the South. I'll have to look into it. I have a, my older brother has a friend who's a judge of some sort, state's attorney judge or whatever you call it, yeah. kind of way up there. So maybe I can talk to him or something. I don't well, know. Well, that's another thing. You can petition a court to clean up your record, or you can petition yeah. the state to let you vote. But I would double check that Iowa actually disenfranchises felons before I just gave up on it. Yeah, I'll have to look into it, Tom. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, good luck, Brian. You know, and let me know how it works much. out. Thanks a lot for the call. Peter in Bellingham, Washington. Hey, Peter, what's up? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to follow up on your thinking about the Canada health card right. deal. If we were to use Social Security numbers instead of names, and the names is what gets people knocked off the list with the Kobach, Mm-hmm. purging business. Right. Um, it doesn't make sense to have things based on names. It's just too easy to mess with. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And if we also were to change our Social Security cards so that instead of a flimsy little piece of paper, you get a card that you go in, have your picture taken, and you get a card, and, you know, of course, you have to prove your citizenship to even get a Social Security card. And well, exactly. The other thing that could be... Well, hang on just a second. No, wait a minute. I'm wrong about that. Green card holders can get Social Security cards. So that doesn't... Although, you know, it could be like, you know, real ID or something. I mean, there could be a little star indicating that you're a citizen versus no star you're not or something like that. Well, but, every polling place could have, you know, like you put a credit card in an ATM machine... It tells you, you know, it brings up your information immediately. You know, they're doing this at the airport now. I flew out of the Portland airport last week, and, you know, you get up to the security line, and they want to see your driver's license and your boarding pass. The guy says, I don't need your boarding pass anymore. Just hand me your driver's license. I handed it to him, and he slid it into a little slot in a reader, you know, like as if it was putting a chip into a reader to pay something with a credit card. And it read my driver's license, matched it to the flyer's database, what came up on the screen was the flight that I was on. He confirmed I was on this flight, that I was who I was, and it showed a picture of me on his screen. It was amazing. Well, also, the state driver's license could be based on a universal Social Security identity number. Also. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, I mean, we need to get it out of driver's licenses. Thanks a lot, Peter. That's a good idea. Some of the other news of the day... You know, I asked the question, would Trump be better off or worse off if the Democrats take the House? And uh, over at the Daily Beast, Mike Lewis wrote this piece titled, Why Losing the House Could Be Good for Donald Trump. And he points out that basically every president who has lost his first midterm to the other party goes on to win re-election. Nixon, Reagan, George W. Bush... Barack Obama, all of them lost a branch of Congress during the first midterm, and it gave them a foil. In fact, he goes back to Harry Truman. He says Harry Truman campaigned famously in the 1948 election. He was running for re-election, although he was never elected the first time. It was because FDR died, but, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he had lost the House in that previous election cycle. He became president in 45. He lost the House in 1946 for one cycle, actually, it was that one anomaly, or actually there were two anomalies after the war. You know, another two-year period in the 60s, as I recall, maybe it was the 50s, but anyhow, there was that 46. And then he goes on to win the 48 election. And Harry Truman campaigned on the, quote, do-nothing Congress, attacking the fact that the Republicans had seized control of the House of Representatives. So Lewis is asking the question, if the Democrats take the House, Trump will certainly spend the next two years bashing the Democrats for not passing things that are deceptively titled. You know, he'll come up with something like the, the Clean Air Act, which actually makes pollution easier. Or, you know, the Clean Water I mean, you know, we saw this with George W. Bush, right? The Clean Water Act. Or, you know, cut tax cut for the middle class or whatever. 
and it won't be, you know, of course. I mean, he'll come up with some BS, lie-filled legislation. The Republicans are really, really good at this, and they name their legislation brilliantly. I mean, the Democrats come up with things like the Children's Health Insurance Program, otherwise known as CHIP, which makes you think of cow patties, right? <laughs> but, the, but the Republicans, oh, it's the Patriot Act. You know, it's, oh, geez. But anyhow, he'll do that, and he'll run against the Democrats because they control the House, number one. And number two, if we take the House by only five or ten seats, you know, on pretty much every issue, there's five or ten sell out Democrats in the House of Representatives. I mean, you know, unfortunately, sorry, you just can't get around that. But that's the case. By the way, we had a caller who said that he's in, uh, no, he wasn't in Illinois. He committed the crime in Illinois. He's now living in, oh, Iowa. He's living in Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Iowa is one of the states where you permanently lose your right to vote if you're a felon. Amazing. Anyhow, so Matt Lewis is asking the question, will this help Trump? And I think in that regard, probably it will. I mean, you know, he certainly will use it. But on the other hand, what Lewis is not putting into this formula, and I think it's a big piece of the formula, a very big piece of the formula, actually, is that, you know, there are 14 committees in Congress, and each one will now be run by a Democrat instead of a Republican, and they'll be able to subpoena things to actually demonstrate the lies and the crimes of the first two years of the Trump administration. I mean, just show it nakedly to the American public. So the question is, which will do more political damage or more political assistance to both Trump and the Republicans? Showing their lies, while you can't get anything done legislatively because the Republicans still control the White House and Trump can veto anything and will probably control the Senate, or being able to be the foil against which Trump basically runs for president. You'll, you'll recall, unlike any other president in the history of the United States, Trump declared his candidacy for 2020 the day after he was inaugurated and opened a campaign committee and has been aggressively fundraising for that campaign committee ever since. And that campaign committee, of course, is paying the legal fees of his children. They're paying his legal fees. They're paying the legal fees of a bunch of other people on his staff, you know, with regard to all the Trump-Russia investigations and all the other crimes that he's committed and that he's defending. It's basically become a giant legal slush fund filled with money from uh, Fox News watching suckers. But in any case, you know, how is this going to play out? I, I'm inclined to think that, yeah, Trump is going to do everything he can to use fear and to lie about Democrats and, and whatnot. But I think that once they control the committees, if somebody will sit them down and, and Democrats, I've done this kind of consulting for businesses for 30 years. I'd be glad to do it for you if you'd like. I wrote a book about this in 2008 called Cracking the Code. We approached the Democratic Party and they were like, no, nah, no, nah, we got our consultants. We know what we're doing. But in any case, if they have half a brain, they will figure out how to conduct these hearings in a way that is high theater, because that's all they'll have, right? They will have the bully pulpit of being the chair people of the committees and being able to conduct investigations with subpoena power. And that's a big deal. That is a, you know, a Joe Biden BFD, right? That's huge. And I, you know, if the Democrats use this theatrically, I think they're going to have considerable power. So it's going to be interesting. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider now that the Republicans have destroyed net neutrality. That's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom to learn more. Tom Harmon here with you and on the line with us, our old buddy, Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator Sanders, welcome back. 
Yeah. Well, look, I will tell your listeners what you know and what everybody else knows, and that is that the election was the most important election in our lifetime. Uh, it's not just about climate change or health care uh, or about education. It is about having a president who is the most racist, sexist, bigoted president in the modern history of our country, and that it is terribly important that we have a large voter turnout, that we defeat the Trump agenda and Trump acolytes, and that we start electing progressive members to the House and the Senate and to governorships all over this country. Amen. And what are your hopes for, if the Democrats take the House, what are your hopes for things going forward? Well, let me just say this, that in the last two weeks, I've been to 13 states. We've done about 35 rallies and other types of meetings. And in so many states, Tom, what you're looking at is elections where the polling has it, you know, a few points one way or a few points the other way. So my major concern now is that we get that voter turnout in key states and we elected people. Now, if the Democrats are successful, if we win control over the House and, you know, if the cookies crumble in the right way and we win control over the Senate, clearly what we have got to do is come out firing right away with a strong progressive agenda that makes sense to the working families of this country. What does that mean? Moving to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, beginning the process for Medicare for all, which the first year would mean lowering the eligibility age from 65 to 55 and covering all of the children. That's the first year of a four-year phase for Medicare for all. It means taking on the drug companies and no more dilly-dallying around. We're going to lower drug prices substantially in this country because we're paying far and away the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. It means rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure and creating millions of good-paying jobs. I mean, those are some of the very clear initiatives that we need to do getting right out of the blocks if Democrats control the House and the Senate. Yeah. Not to mention the ability to uh, have the subpoena to find out what the hell's going on inside the Trump administration. Well, that's, in addition to all of that, yeah, that's something we're going to have to be looking at it well. But right now, my my concern is a large voter turnout. I don't want to be presumptuous in talking about what we're going to do if we're not in a position to do that. So all I would say, let me say a word to the many young people out there. You know, four years ago, we had the lowest voter turnout in modern American history. Let's not repeat that mistake. Let's get out and vote. Amen. Senator Bernie Sanders. It's always a pleasure having you on our program, Senator. Thank you so much for dropping by today. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Great talking with you. Keep up the great work. Continuing this conversation, um, two, Dee Dee Flagg tweeted, and this is so funny. She actually spells out the B word here. I'm not going to say it on the air, but and uh, she, she writes, oh, I voted all right. I moved on that ballot like a bee. I got there with blood coming out of my whatever. I'm auto-attracted to polling stations. I just start filling in ovals. It's like a magnet. And when you're registered, they let you do it. You can do anything. Hashtag grab them by the ballot. I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. D2, good on you. And like I said, you can see that on our Twitter feed over at Tom underscore Hartman. We just had a fascinating conversation with Senator Sanders. As he said, he's very hopeful that we can actually even take the Senate as well as the House and start passing some good progressive legislation. If we just take the House, we can still pass good progressive legislation. And the whole country will see how Trump and the Republicans fight that and it blows up in their face. Plus, you know, conduct investigations. We had a conversation with Tom Perez about voter suppression and what's going on. He talked about how he's twice sued Brian Kemp and still going on. Brian Kemp and all his, his, his giant scam. You know, it's just a fascinating time. And we've got a lot going on here. The EPA has just disappeared the entire climate page, right? For a long time, it said, this page is being updated. And here's other ways to find what you're looking for. Now they've literally taken it down. They did this October 16th, sometime between 5 12 p.m. October 16th and 3 a.m. the next morning, uh, that morning, October 17th. And, you know, no explanation, nothing. Just, hey, the Environmental Protection Agency, which protects the environment, what's the most obvious and visible part of the environment to all of us? The air we breathe, right? And 
and they just took the climate page down. It's astonishing. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind? You and uh, Greg Pallast and others have done a great job educating us on all the ways uh, complex and fair and foul that the Republicans use to screw with the voting systems. I went to my early voting center to vote on Friday, and I noticed all the machines were touchscreens. And I said to the judge, I don't vote on those things because I don't trust them. I want my vote to count. And she said, okay, you can just vote in your precinct on Tuesday. There will be plenty of OptiScans that uh, you can fill out your own ballot on. While we were talking, a woman at one of the machines called out loudly, help, help, my machine malfunctioned. It turned out that the tape that recorded the votes had run out in the middle of her voting. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought to myself, well, what does this mean? Does that mean her ballot is spoiled because it's going to be half on one tape and half on another? Or do they cut off a piece and tape it to another one? And is that open to question from challengers? And it's like something this simple and mundane can mess up the voting system. And then I remember that you told us that the cash register tapes we get now are not printed in ink. They're heat activated. Right. And I don't know if these machines print in ink or it's heat activation. And the other trouble with those receipts, besides being possibly cancer-causing, is that the ink fades over time. Right. If you have a receipt that you're saving for some purpose, and you look at it three or four months later, it's faded to almost nothingness. So these machines have all kinds of ways they can mess up our franchise that you don't even think of. Yeah. Remarkable. George, I, I don't know the answer to the question other than just to get rid of all the voting machines and go paper. What we have all been advocating forever and even Bernie has been advocating forever. I don't see any other option. It seems like that's the thing to do. George, I got to run. Thank you for the call. Um, John Pavlovitz has a website, johnpavlovitz.com, P-A-V-L-O-V-I-T-Z. And he wrote a piece called Why to Evangelicals? This is why people are through with you. And he's like, dear white evangelicals, I need to tell you something. People have had it with you. They're done. We don't want anything to do with you any longer. And, and then he goes through, you know, what's going on. He says, your hypocrisy, your inconsistency, your selective mercy, your thinly veiled supremacy. He said, for eight years, we watched you relentlessly demonize a black president, a man faithfully married for 26 years, a doting father and husband without a hint of moral scandal or the slightest whiff of infidelity. They watched you white evangelicals deny his personal faith convictions, Obama's, argue his birthplace and assail his character all without cause or evidence. They saw you branch scriptures to malign him and use the laziest uh, racial stereotypes to criticize him. You never offered public prayers for him and his family. You never welcomed him to your Christian universities. You never gave him the benefit of the doubt. You never spoke of offering him forgiveness or mercy. Your evangelists never publicly thank God for his leadership. I mean, he just goes on and on and on. And I recommend you check out johnpavlovitz.com on this. But do you think that the white evangelical movement is going to continue down this racist road? Or might they wake up? And I mean that as a serious question. I'm not sure they're going to wake up and, and attend to their own scripture. I've never endorsed a weight loss product before Riduzone. Why Riduzone? I've seen firsthand how well it worked for my wife. With the wedding coming up, Louise wanted to lose a little weight. She read about university research and how one molecule helps regulate appetite. Riduzone is designed to boost levels of that one molecule along with your metabolism so you stop craving the wrong foods and you burn calories faster. Once her appetite and cravings were under control, she said losing weight was easy. She has more energy on her hikes and she looks amazing. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, get non-prescription FDA accepted Riduzone. While supplies last, use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive 30% off plus free shipping. Go to tryriduzone.com. That's T-R-Y, try R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. TryRidUZone.com. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive 30% off, plus free shipping. TryRidUZone.com. That's T-R-Y, try R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. TryRidUZone.com. Promo code TOM.
our old friend Greg Palast, the investigative reporter, the author, and producer of The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, which you can find over on Amazon right now, the, the movie you can watch it there, author of a book of the same title. Greg, you're here. Yep. All good? Yep. Ready to go? Okay. Rock and roll. Sam in Orange, Texas. Sam, you're on the air with Greg Palast and me. Hey, Tom. Greg, my brothers. First, I'd like to thank both of you and your coworkers for the hard work you do for us lovers of democracy. Thank you, Sam. Does the federal government have the authority to set standards, national standards for elections, for drawing district lines? What's used and how and where and all. Vote and how the votes are counted and et cetera. Yeah, yeah got it. Thanks, Sam. Greg? Thanks, Sam. Well, Sam, number one, what's the color of the people that are showing up for early voting? And you know, it's not the pale faces. They tend to vote on Election Day. That's the demographics of America. Voters of color vote early because they don't get Tuesday off. And so they're discouraging early voting all over the nation. That's right. In Texas, you do need an ID, a state photo ID, which is absurd, but but you need that. But now they've added something extra for the early voters. In Ohio, they're playing a wonderful little game where people coming in for early voting are not allowed, even though the machines are right next to them, they're not actually allowed to vote on the machines. They're given absentee ballot forms to fill out. And I asked a county clerk, I said, why are these people being given absentee ballot forms? They're right here. They're not absent. They're in the polling station. He said, so that they can challenge their vote after election day. You can always challenge an absentee ballot on signatures or other games that these guys play, and they remove thousands of ballots that way. So we see the and then in Georgia, Brian Kemp, who's running for governor, and he's also running the election. He closed off early voting the last Sunday before the election. He shut down souls to the polls day when black voters vote in Georgia. So bring everyone you know to the polls. The way to overcome the attack is to overwhelm them with voters. Yeah, and we really have no other choice right now. Paul in Lucerne, California, you're on the air with Greg Palast. Hey, I was just wondering, I lost my ballot and I live in California. I know for a fact in my county that my ballot will be counted because I actually am in the party and I know the people that actually will be there. But what about the rest of California? You know, California is not part of the rest of America. (laughs) There is a voting system. You can go in and and everyone in California can go in. If you can't find the ballot that was mailed to you, most Californians vote by mail. You can go into the polling station and fill out an affidavit ballot. If they see that no one else has cast your ballot, that you didn't somehow send it in or fill it out, they will count your vote. So in California, you're okay. Start moving southeast. Good luck. Southeast being... Southeast America. Oh, (laughs) New Mexico, Arizona. Nevada is terrible. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. It's Uh, been, uh, it's it's really ugly. Yeah. Mark in San Diego. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hey, Tom. Hey, Greg. How are we doing? I'd like to ask Greg, how is it legal for the Secretary of State, like in Georgia and Kansas, to be in charge of their own election? I mean, that just sounds like Stalinist Russia to me. I mean, it's just it's just absurd. I mean, why can't Greg? Why can't we have a national entity that oversees these elections instead of just relying on specific pockets of states that are in charge of their own election and then come up with their own rules? Like a voter ID has to have a street address, like in uh, North Dakota. Why can't we do that? And other countries do that. Mark, great question. Thank you, Greg. Before you answer it, I mean, if you go back and read the debates during the Constitutional Convention. Which you have. Um, which I have, yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, one of the points that was made when they were talking about decentralizing the vote, leaving the states in charge of it, which was the way it was under the Articles of Confederation, let's just leave it that way, but under the Articles of Confederation, they were essentially sovereign nations, each state was, That's and it right. was a trade deal, basically, was that, yeah, of course, there's going to be dirty tricks. That always happens. But if the day ever comes that the White House that the executive branch, which would be in charge of administering any laws Congress passes, including national voter standards, if the White House ever becomes corrupted, they could then corrupt the elections. And it's a strong argument against federal takeover of our elections. I mean, if Donald Trump was in charge of our elections right now, he would put Chris Kobach in charge of that department, and we would have Texas nationwide. On the other hand, we've got this problem where, you know, in California, we've got a great voting system. In Oregon, Washington state, Good, clean, nice voting systems work great. And in Texas, you're all screwed up. So what do we do? And, and what is the law? They, to Mark's question. Yeah. Okay, Mark. Number one, while it's kind of legal for Chris Kobach, 
of Kansas, who's running for governor and running the elections, and Brian Kemp running for governor and running elections in Georgia and so on. It's been traditional for secretaries of state running for governor to resign. In fact, Jimmy Carter called on Brian Kemp to resign. And, you know, Carter was governor of Georgia. That's where he lives. Um, But, you know, this is not about fairness. This is about power, raw exertion of power. And and I do uh, caution about Tom's warning. If we have a national system, that means we have Trump running the national system. And probably, as he said, Chris Kobach, who's his main advisor on uh, fruitcake voting systems, which are... Um, you know, even a, a commentator, a, a, the legal commentator in CNN said Chris Kobach has spent his entire life blocking black voters from voting. So national per se is not the answer. But I will tell you this. I just met with a whole team of lawyers last night here in Portland. That's why I'm here. And they said, let's not forget, as has been forgotten, that the opening of the National Voter Registration Act of 93 says voting is a fundamental right. This is not a preamble. This is part of the law. And we, on a national legal basis, protecting the right to vote means that you can't abuse your authority as Secretary of State to monkey with the election process, which is what Kemp is doing, Kobach is doing, and even their brethren who aren't running for office, the guy in Colorado uh, who removed hundreds of thousands of people from the voter rolls, he's running for re-election as Secretary of State. He's counting his own votes once again. So yeah, it's ugly. It appears to be legal because after all, the voting cops, the people that are supposed to protect you, that's the Justice Department's uh, uh, Civil Rights and Voting Rights Division. That's under Jeff Beauregard Sessions. And it's going to get worse when they remove him. And it's been gutted. Just gutted. Uh, it's breathtaking. Joyce in Chatsworth, Georgia, speaking to Georgia. Joyce, you're on the air with Greg Pallast. Hey, Joyce. Good morning, Greg and Tom. I was checking my voter registration and living in Georgia. I was curious, so I checked my late husband's voter registration. He died in 2012 before the election. He is still listed as an active voter. Now, I know that if he had gone to vote in the last two elections, he would have gone with me. So, therefore, since I live in one of the whitest counties in Georgia, the use it or lose it apparently doesn't apply to our counties. I'm phone banking for Stacey Abrams. I've already voted this year, and I try to tell everybody that I can get in contact with, you need to vote. Greg, thank you so much for everything you've done. I've followed you for years. Well, thank, thank you so much. Thank and you. by the way, if there's any voters in Georgia and you have been purged from the voter rolls, go to gregpals.com, contact me or contact Tom. He'll get a hold of me. And But one thing, you mentioned something called use it or lose it. In uh, Georgia and in many, uh, in about 26 states, they're, used, they're saying if you don't vote in a couple of federal elections, that they can remove you, cancel you from the voter rolls. And this was empowered, by the way, by John, John Roberts on the Supreme Court. Right, in, in June. In, in, yeah, just in, in June, June but, in, but in the case of Ohio. So this is now the law that it's legal for these people to do this. By the way, I meant to ask, has the 93 Voting Rights Act that says voting is a right ever reached the Supreme Court? Has that ever been adjudicated? No. Or is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, that's one of the things I'm trying to do is re- remind the court... Hello, the law says voting is a fundamental right. And the purpose of the NVRA, the Voter Registration Act 93, is to, it says specifically, to extend and protect that right, but to extend the right to vote, extend it and to more Americans. That's the purpose of the law. And they're using that law to just erase the voter rolls like they're doing in Georgia. Don't miss this election for another reason. In Georgia, you don't vote, you lose your vote. I know it's against the law. It says you can't do that, but they're doing it anyway. So you got to vote just to be allowed and not to just vote. Georgia. I mean, Ohio, the Ohio, Supreme Court just said that. Nevada. 26 Republican-controlled states. Yep. Get out and vote if you want to stay on the voting rolls for no other reason. Sue in Mountain Home, Arkansas, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Sue, you're on the air with Greg and me. Uh, hi, this is actually Greg, her husband. Oh, I, okay. I, sometimes hey. I call in. But hi, Greg. Hi, Greg and Tom. Uh, we went voting, and we were asked for our driver's license, and it's actually on the ballot in Arkansas right now on whether to allow the voting to um have a driver's license. So in other words, to, to require ID. So it, does that mean that ID is not required right now in Arkansas? Or I that think so. Or that they yeah. want to remove that requirement? Well, when I showed, she asked me for my driver's license, 
And uh, to answer your question, it's to require driver's license, picture ID to Mm. vote. But when the lady said, I still need to see your driver's license, and she goes, I won't look at the rest of it, just your picture. And she spent time reading the driver's license, and I raised my eyebrows like, wait a minute, you know. Mm. And she did it anyways. And is that, do you know anything about that? Hmm. Creepy stuff. Thanks, Greg. No, I don't. I mean, you know, uh, voting in Arkansas, once again, you've got a state that has been now commandeered by the right wing. And, you know, they're using ID. You know, one of the other problems that we have in America is that at the polling stations, Tom and Greg, is that you have polling workers who are making up their own stuff as they go. And we, one thing we found in our studies is that, for example, young black male voters in Ohio are automatically sent to uh, the provisional voting table, like automatically hmm. in some precincts. I mean, oh, there's your, that's where you go. It's the back of the bus table. And so uh, you got, once again, you have someone making themselves attorney general and uh, adding extra requirements on you. And, you know, the only thing you can do is stand up to it. And the biggest danger, of course, if they say you can't vote or here's a provisional ballot, don't put up with that. Don't take the back of the bus ballot if you can avoid it. But if it's the only way to get your vote in, do that. But try to demand an actual ballot. Now, it sounds like you in the end got to vote, but I'm so I'm giving this advice out there to the rest of America, when they hand you that thing called a provisional ballot and say they will count it, no, they won't. At least a million provisional ballots were disqualified in the 2016 election. Don't let it happen to you. Demand adjudication. Usually a poll judge is there. Demand adjudication right there that you get the right to vote. So, in other words, you just literally say to the poll worker, I want a poll judge right now, right here. Yeah, and I know that. And, and what if that poll judge says, but I don't see you on the records. I'm sorry, you're not, you, you've been purged from the list. Then you're kind of stuck. Be firm, don't be violent. But I can tell you that Santita Jackson, uh, Reverend Jackson's daughter, told me that you know she was really firm and they switched her from a provisional ballot to a real ballot. And I've had so many of those stories where it comes down to just being firm. Give me my ballot. Really? I deserve a ballot. I want my ballot. Don't give me this nonsense. It ain't true. My name was purged. I know I vote. Here's my voter registration card. Give me my damn ballot. Yes, and always bring, I don't care if your state requires it or not, always bring every ID you can think of and something with your address, like your utility bill. Right, bring a utility bill, a passport, a birth certificate, a driver's license, three letters from your friends. And your mom. (laughs) Yeah, right, and a picture of your mom that's signed. Greg, thanks so much again for the great work you're doing and for coming on our show. Our book for today in the Tom Harmon Book Club is Proof of Collusion, How Trump Betrayed America by Seth Abramson. This is from the chapter one, page 14. Up until 1987, Donald Trump was not regarded as a particularly political public figure. However, in 1987, he published The Art of the Deal and took a trip to Moscow, one or both of which sent him in the direction of a political career. Trump's trip to Moscow in 1987 comes at the invitation of Russia's ambassador to the United States, Yuri Dubinin. In Moscow, Trump stays at the Lenin Suite of the Hotel National, which, as Jonathan Chait of New York Magazine notes, certainly would have been bugged in 1987. Trump holds meetings on the possible construction of a Trump hotel with Soviet officials. Coming away from the meetings, certain that the officials are eager to do business with him. On returning to the United States, Trump spends nearly $100,000 on politically charged newspaper ads attacking American allies like Japan and Saudi Arabia for spending too little on their own defense. He urges America to, quote, tax these wealthy nations, end quote, and shortly thereafter makes a high-profile trip to New Hampshire, the sort of trip that is often considered a prelude to a presidential bid. Trump's 1987 bid for a Trump hotel in Moscow falls through, according to the Washington Post, only because Trump was, quote, preoccupied with other business projects. However, Trump has a problem. American banks will no longer lend him money, citing his track record for paying back only pennies on the dollar, what the banks called the Donald Risk. In 1997, though, no construction has begun on Trump's hope for Moscow projects. Trump's plan for the expansion of his real estate portfolio into Russia go well beyond a single Trump International Hotel. Trump envisions a much larger series of investments. He tells The New Yorker, it would be skyscrapers and hotels. We're working with the local government, the mayor of Moscow and the mayor's people. So far, they've been very responsive. As Trump's 1996 plans finally fall through for good, 
Russia begins a period of political upheaval that sees the nation led by five successive prime ministers appointed by Boris Yeltsin over a 15-month period in 98 and 99. The last of these prime ministers is a man by the name of Vladimir Putin. The equivalent of deputy mayor of St. Petersburg develops a fondness for Miss St. Petersburg, Oksana Fedorova, sometime before she is crowned Miss Russia in 2001. It's widely known that he has a picture of her in his office. After Fedorova wins the 2001 Miss Russian pageant, rumors abound, spurred in part by the presence of Putin's domestic intelligence service, the FSB, acting as security at the competition, that the pageant has been rigged so that Fedorova will win. Local media say that either the pageant was corrupt or its organizers knew instinctively it would be unwise, not politically correct, according to the Telegraph, to let anyone but Fedorova win. In winning the Miss Russia pageant, Fedorova becomes Russia's entrant to the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an international competition owned by Donald Trump. Though the 2002 pageant is scheduled to take place in Puerto Rico, anticipation for the event is high in Russia because of Putin's adoration for Fedorova and because no Russian woman has ever won the Miss Universe pageant in its half century of continuous operation. At the time of the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, Fedorova's publicly acknowledged boyfriend is Vladimir Golubev, a St. Petersburg crime boss heavily involved in the construction industry. But the scuttlebutt in Moscow is that Fedorova is actually with a different Vladimir. Uh, in a May 2002 article published immediately after the 2002 Miss Universe contest in Moscow calls Fedorova Putin's girl. There's substantial press attention on the pageant in Moscow as Fedorova wins the competition and makes pageant history as the first Miss Universe from Russia to win the contest. On November 2nd, 2017, an eyewitness to the judging process at the 2002 Miss Universe contest will contact this author to say that the contest was rigged. After the eyewitness's identity had been verified, the eyewitness recounts the following. After there are only 10 contestants left in the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an elimination process that Trump directly participates in this point in the pageant's history, Trump addresses the pageant's celebrity judges and indicates that he wants Miss Russia crowned Miss Universe. The source reports Trump saying, quote, there's definitely clearly one woman out there who's head and shoulders above the rest. She's the one I'd vote for. Given the context of the statement, Trump issuing his formal instructions to the judges as they prepared for the conclusion of the pageant, as well as his demeanor while speaking, eyewitness asserts that Trump, quote, told the judges who to vote for, adding that a subsequent conversation among the celebrity judges revealed that several had the same impression. The judges did, in fact, vote for Miss Russia, who thereby becomes Miss Universe until her dethroning 120 days later for failure to faithfully execute the duties of her office. The contest celebrity judges are later told by parties affiliated with the pageant that Fedorova has been dethroned because of unspecified criminal contact. Proof of collusion. Imagine the panic that swept over this dad. He was working late when he got an alert on his smartphone. His Blink motion-activated security camera picked up something. He opens the Blink app and views a video clip of a man peering through his kitchen window. He calls 911 and alerts his wife. Preventing situations like this is what Blink is all about. The point of having a home security system is to help alert you before some creep breaks into your home, not after. Blink motion-activated HD cameras are wire-free, set up in minutes, and run on batteries that last up to two years. And Blink's live feed option lets you monitor what's happening at home anytime, anywhere from your smartphone. No contracts, no subscriptions, and Blink even works with Alexa. Here's the deal. Get your Blink camera system starting at less than $100. No contracts or subscriptions. Visit BlinkProtect.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, for details. BlinkProtect.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. BlinkProtect.com slash Tom. Blink is an Amazon company. Let's check in with uh, Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do. Ellen Ratner's new book on the line with us is former Congressman Bob Nay, author of Sideswiped. Bob, welcome back. Well, thank you, Tom. So in addition to the news of the day, I'm curious if we could just start with uh, your thoughts as a former member of the House of Representatives uh, representing Ohio. How do you think this is all going to play out? And if the Democrats take the House but fail to take the Senate, how are the politics of that going to play out over the next two years? I mean, obviously, Trump will turn the Democrats into his punching bag. Uh, will he succeed? Well, great questions. First of all, Trump will triangulate anybody. He'll triangulate. What does triangulate mean? I remember that from the Clinton era, and I I understood it once. I don't remember. 
Right. Well, we, we use it all the time because I was in the, the Congress, the Gingrich Congress, and triangulation, and Bill Clinton was very good at it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but Clinton would pick and choose certain battles. Sometimes he would go with the House. Sometimes he would go against the House. And sometimes he would actually go around his own party, in particular on some issues. That's what we call triangulation. Oh, so it's That's just a her. fancy word for political maneuvering that is independent of right. commitment to issues, right. but rather manipulation via the political system. Correct. Got triangulation it. and Trump will Trump already triangulates anyone he gets mad at so yeah. you know he'll do that but but you you've asked a great question cuz I've been making some predictions today and I've got the Senate staying Republican and it would be 5347 but if I'm wrong about Arizona then it'd be uh you know 5248 right. but either way and it's close yeah. all right now the house I've got going democratic and I'm a little bit closer than some of my colleagues. We kind of did an internal bet today, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, non-monetary bet. But I'm at 228 control of the House, Democratic members, and 207 Republican members. Mm-hmm. Most people are higher than that, but that's about where I'm at on this. So that's now, such a, th- a slim margin. Right. That's what, a four-vote margin, a six-vote margin, something like well, that? Well, they need 218 votes 208 to pass a bill. So I gave margin. a 10-vote margin. 10-vote margin, okay. You know, on any issue of consequence, you know, if uh, single-payer health care, for example, there have to be at least 10 Democrats in the House of Representatives right now who are owned by the insurance companies. Fossil fuel companies have to own at least 10 Democrats. I mean, it's, you know, only about half the Democrats are members of the Progressive Caucus. And, and you've got a few Democrats who are just like full-out, dyed-in-the-wool, third-way Bill Clinton Democrats. And that concerns me. Does it, right. Do you think no, that I, as a Democrat I, I should be concerned? Well, yes, because, I mean, look, if, if I'm wrong and it goes to, let's say, 238, all right, well, then that's a more comfortable margin. Yeah. But, let's, but let's be realistic, too. You're still going to have a certain amount of people that will play a game or, you know, go off the base for a different reason, right? But yeah. still, obviously, 238 is going to be a much better number than my 228. But, but I was looking at the races one by one. I could be wrong. I mean, it could be, I almost was at 235. So, you know, I took a second look at the races. But here's the point, though, I think, to answer your question, which is the most valuable question, whether it's 238, 228, or 248, if the Democratic side is smart, they'll have a twofold plan. One, they cannot ignore the Trump administration or cabinet members that do things. Uh, so, therefore, they have subpoena power. All right? Right. Um, so, expose the corruption, in other words. Correct. For example, how many cabinet members should have been drug in anyway? You know, yeah. under this Congress, if they were doing their job because of the problems with these cabinet members. So the, the Democratic side can take that path and uh, should. Republicans did it, you know. Yep. The second path, though, I think they have to, I'm not going to say lockstep the force, but they have to come to a consensus and know where their votes are. I argue it's going to be hairy because there's going to be gun-shy Republicans because they lost, and the Democratic side might be able to craft some things where they peel off. Let's say there's not many moderates, if I understand that, but they peel off, you know, possibly six, seven, or ten votes for some issues out there. Like gun control, for example, seems like it would be high up on that list. Gun control, pre-existing conditions. I mean, we can go down a scenario. Uh, Medicare for all, which the Republicans are terrified of, believe me terrified of. So I think there's opportunity if, if they have the game plan together. Now, yeah. the first problem they're going to have to solve is the speakership. That's going to be an internal battle, whether you know they're, they're going to go with Nancy Pelosi or not. Now, I know right. they don't decide that today, but they may have to make that decision because they obviously want a smooth transition. And if she doesn't have the votes, then they're going to go with somebody else. I just... But I think... They can't be afraid to have an agenda. Yeah, amen. Um, I just checked the Canadian voting website, and the number one kind of ID that people use to vote in Canada, or the number, the top of the list of recommended ID, was your Medicare card. Apparently, in most provinces in Canada, your Medicare card has your picture on it, and it's a legal ID. You can use it to buy liquor, you can use it to get on an airplane, and you can use it to vote. Is that why the Republicans are so afraid of national Medicare program for the U.S.? Well, I think that's part of it. And, you know, look what Brian Kemp is doing in Georgia. Even if you had an ID, you're in trouble. If your address says North Lane Avenue, but your DMV says Lane Avenue North, he can pull you. He's right, or N period Lane Avenue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's nuts. It, I mean, this is just, these are all vestiges. This all came out of Reconstruction, you know? It's voter suppression. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Bob Nay, thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. 
back to your calls. Russ in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Russ, thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. What's up? Question for you. Why do you think it is that so many baby boomers who are on Medicare and Social Security are going to vote Republican in this election, even though it is beyond dispute, the Republicans have made it very clear, they are going to gut, that's G-U-T, these programs to pay for another tax cut for the millionaires, billionaires, and corporations. And I, it just it astounds me that they could do this, but I've talked to a number who are going to do that very thing. What do you think is going on here? I think it's Fox News, Rose. I mean right. that seriously. The average age of Fox News viewers is around 70, and Fox News is the only cable TV news channel that runs news or something that looks like news pretty much 24-7 live. Uh, the other networks have, uh, you know, all kinds of specials and documentaries and, you know, lock them up and all that kind of stuff. CNN and MSNBC try to, quote, present balance. Fox News doesn't even pretend to. Fox News has a huge audience. And, uh, you know, the billionaire Rupert Murdoch put together a news network that would cause average working people to believe that the interests of the billionaires is in their best interest. And they do a very, very good job of that. And right-wing hate radio, too. You know, a lot of boomers grew up on that. Radio was a big deal back in the 80s when Limbaugh rolled out his show, Political Radio. He was the first, you know, after the murder of Alan Berg in the 70s, there was about a decade where there was no political talk radio. And then Limbaugh came along. And he was very talented, but he also had a lot of money behind him. He rolled that show out on 50 major stations all across the country. I think that that's, that's what it is. And then you combine that with the fact that people who watch ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox television, in other words, they watch TV on their regular TV, um, which again is more likely to be older people, never hear any political news at all other than 30 minutes you know, on Monday through Friday nights and they go out of their way to try to not be partisan, which means cutting the Republicans a lot of slack. So I think it's the media, Russ. What do you think? I think you're right. I was talking to a 71-year-old woman last night. I've been doing some phone work for a political campaign, and she was telling me that it's the Democrats that want to cut Medicare and Social Security. Uh, Right. They, they said that, they've said that multiple times on Fox News. It's a blatant lie. Fox News lies all the time. Uh, there's a, you know, go to MediaMatters.org. They document it on a literally day-by-day basis. Yeah. But, but that's, well, thanks, Tom. That, yeah, thanks a lot, Russ. That's, that's what's going on, and that's, that's the cancer. Keep in mind, 27 August 2018, Kevin Rudd, the former prime minister of Australia, wrote an op-ed in the Sydney Morning Herald titled, the cancer eating the heart of Australian democracy. And what's that cancer? Rupert Murdoch. John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's up? Uh, yeah, I can't agree with you more on that last point. I just wanted to say, you know, voter ID here is I can bring in a utility bill and have my neighbor come in with me and vouch that I live at that address, and that's enough to get me registered. And then once I'm registered, all I need is my signature. I don't understand why we have to have all these complicated documents with our picture on it, et cetera, et cetera, because we don't, you know, uh, voter suppression is a real thing, but voter fraud is almost non-existent. And why would somebody put themselves in a position to commit that? And it's really not an issue. It's an, only an issue because, as you were talking about with Fox News, they have decided to make it an issue. And Chris Kobach and uh, Kemp in Georgia have decided to make it an issue. But it is not an issue. I wish it would just end. But since we don't have a truthful media system, we have no way of uh, moving on from it. But I'm really tired of it. But we, we function here really well. I have seen no cases in the 26 years that I've been a resident of Minnesota of voter fraud. Yeah. No, and there probably haven't been any because it's you go to prison for it. I mean, right. we have we have laws and that's been enough and it should continue to be enough. But here's the deal. I, I did a deep dive on this over the weekend, John, because I wanted to write this op-ed. In the 1870s, uh, Reconstruction happened, the early, you know, late 1860s, early 1870s. And you had black people in the South becoming sheriffs, becoming justices of the peace, becoming, uh, you know, police officers, um, voting, uh, elected. Actually, I think it was South Carolina. The majority of the legislature was black for one session, one electoral session. 
And as a result of that, the white backlash, the black, what they were called black code laws, um, right. the earliest of those were voter registration laws. Voter registration did not exist in most, most states at that point in time. So they started passing these voter registration laws with very stringent requirements of what you had to do in order to become, quote, eligible to vote. And that was used to suppress the black vote. Mm -hmm. Well, literally to this day, it's being used right. to suppress the black vote. So that's the history of voter registration and, you know, how and why it is so just totally friggin crazy and unnecessary and, and, and voter ID the same thing. I mean, who wants to go to jail for between two and five years, depending on the state you're in, for yeah. voting when you're not eligible to vote? It right. happens, you know, it does happen that people go to jail for this. So, you know, voter fraud, like you said, is non-existent. Nobody wants to take that kind of a risk. Or very few people, maybe five or ten people a year, literally nationwide, out of millions and millions of votes. John, thank you for the call. Well said. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Don't just you get out to vote. Make sure, take responsibility for helping two or three other people get out to vote. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.